Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I am really excited to bring an important conversation out from behind the locked archive. This conversation with Mary Dell Harrington on raising teens is really a must listen. Mary Dell is the co founder of the Juggernaut community, Grown and Flown, a community for parents and caregivers of teens. And she's also co author of a book of the same title. Now, I've had it on my list to bring this episode out of the archives for some time, but it definitely bubbled to the top of my list based on a few recent things. The first was a listener letter detailing some of the ways in which Edit Your Life interviews have impacted their experience. And they wrote in response to the original broadcast of this interview with Mary Dell Harrington, the book Grown and Flown was a huge game changer for me. I purchased the book and have since recommended it to all of my friends. My oldest is a junior in high school, and this book has helped me in so many ways. What an amazing resource. I also thought the timing was good because we are now in the season of high school graduations. People have made many announcements about their next steps, and I know many parents will be orienting their thoughts towards what's next, whether that's college or something else. And then also, I have been reflecting a lot lately on my own experience raising a teen, which I've been documenting on my Substack, christineco.substack.com. Specifically, a few essays that come to mind are one where I reflect on what I call the second semester ache and the pain of separation. There's another piece that I wrote on how trust is necessary and hard. And then a more recent essay on the importance of following and an incredible transition that I recently experienced in moving my daughter out of college after her first year. Okay, let's dig in and listen to the conversation with Mary Del Harrington, which we will do after a quick break. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? 
If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, Mary Dell Harrington. I am so excited to have you on the Edit Your Life podcast. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Christine. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you this morning. Yes. So let's just dive in. Sure. So um, reticence. So this is this is one of the big things, um, the big complaints I hear from parents who are raising teens is the one word answer phenomenon. So I would love for you to share a tip or two, you know, for what to do when your teen is barely speaking to you. Well, it is universal. So don't feel like if your child is not talking to you or your teen is not talking to you, that you're the only one having this problem. I would say this is pretty much across the board, a condition of parenting a teen. I think one thing to think about are what were the touchstones of your teen's childhood? You know, think mm. about the time when they were connected to you to establish that sort of emotional happy place, whether it's music or cooking or for my for my kids, both of them were very sporty and have played a lot um, of, high, of teams all through their lives, many different sports. And it was easy to find a college or a pro team that they were fans of and begin to follow that team alongside them. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. So it was really important for my son um, and me and our relationship. He uh, was a very, very um, motivated athlete and went out for sports all out. So he would drag himself home exhausted after school which is never a good time to start up a conversation about college applications, for instance. Mm -hmm. But we had, um, we had, he had grown up loving or falling in love with my alma mater, University of Texas at Austin. And college football was a big part of uh, my college experience. And when he was little, I would teach him some of the songs and the traditions. So as he grew up, he and I would watch the football games whenever they were on um, television 
And we even went to a game, just the two of us, when his high school team had an off week. So talking about UT football became our life raft that we could both jump mm-hmm. onto that made all the other conversations about homework and applications and curfew, all those much harder conversations, you know, much easier to launch into because we had that one thing that we just sort of clung to when, when the going got tough. Um, so I would say if, if your kid is, a, is an athlete or if your kid follows a certain type of music, you know, especially if that's something that you enjoyed when they were little or younger, um, revisit those things when you need to just take an emotional breather. I think that is such a pro tip because as I'm thinking, you know, the other day I was just telling my husband, like, we are just, it feels like all of our conversations with our teenager right now are just like, okay, you have to be careful about this. And it just, right. It, right. it gets a little exhausting, right? So I it love is. the idea. Um, now I have this image of this like life raft in my mind and I'm going to, you know, figure out what that thing is or what, you know, maybe several life rafts, I think would be a good several, idea. Several. Yeah. Yes. See what works for each child, because it wasn't really that, that, that didn't really work for my daughter. We had to find something else for us. It was shopping, quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, whether she would have, you know, a special dance, for instance, or a sweet 16 or something that she would go to. It became much more than just a trip to the mall because mm-hmm. it was a time when we would go and get our favorite smoothie. We would, we would shop for the day, the dress, and that would give us an opportunity to talk about, well, what goes on at those parties, you know, and mm-hmm. what what is it that your friends are engaged in? I know you just wrote a wonderful piece for Grown and Flown, Christine, about what, what uh, opportunity you had to talk to your own daughter about mm-hmm. things that were going on in high school. So sometimes it's it's not about the sport. It's not about the game. It's not about the shopping trip. It's just that point of departure mm-hmm. that gives you the opportunity. Yeah, that's... um. I couldn't agree more. That's such a really, really wonderful tip. And, and I feel like that's a real tangible one for, you know, look for something fun to talk about, like, you know, how sure. it doesn't get better than that. Right. Well, speaking of talking with kids, I want to, okay, this is, this is a big one. I want to talk a little bit about hyper-involved parents. And I realize this is a huge topic, but I wanted to chat with you a little bit about it because I feel like it impacts many other things that you talk about in the book that, you know, my radar immediately went on, went up for like trust and like tracking kids online and, you know, the dreaded school portal. So right. I read this, I want to read this quote from your book um, because I just felt like I was issuing up all the fist bumps. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it says, In my work, I see the effects of hyper-involved parents who have been more concerned with preparing the path for their child than with preparing their child for the path. So I just thought, you know, that was so smart. And, you know, in the book, you guys talk about different signs that you may be over-parenting, but I would love to hear from you, you know, what is, you know, one of your first recommended steps for a parent who's really struggling to step back? Because I hear a lot of parents who say, yeah, yeah, I want to step back, but I just... I, I'm too in it now. You know, I'm sure you've heard that a million times in your community. Listen, I've heard it and I've lived it. So mm-hmm. I completely understand from being a, uh, you know, raising my hand here as guilty as charged with being an overfunctioning adult, especially for our first child. As many of us mm-hmm. experienced that first time through, hopefully you learn lessons so that your younger child benefits from your more experienced parenting. But I think the first step for a parent who's struggling with overfunctioning is to examine closely what their family values are and think about what they cherish the most. Mm. If you prioritize parenting around those things and take a big step back on issues that don't really have to do with those top values, obviously safety and wellness are huge and those have to be in the in the mix as well. But things that aren't really 
they're not that crucial to your family, what you hold dear, try and take a step back. The second thing I would say to parents is to take a long view on parenting a teen to adulthood. The teen years are where we have time to prepare, to prepare our kids to be adults. You know, if you think about your kid right now, you've got a 14-year-old, Christine. If you mm-hmm. think about as scary as this is, you think about her as a college freshman. What competencies does she need to develop between now and then? Let her be the one to call and make her doctor's appointments mm. on, the, on the phone. Teens hate to talk on the phone, but they <laughs> occasionally they'll need to do this. And a doctor's appointment may be one of those things. Have them start doing their own laundry, even if it makes you you know, bite your tongue because they're not going to do it the way you do it. These are little things that they should learn how to do now and that you can then, you know, take a step back because you're, you're, you're doing the handoff to them, mm-hmm. even if it's small things like this and, and less about the things that we kind of overfunction about. But um, any, of, any of these competencies that they can do, encourage them to be the ones to talk to their teachers if they have a problem with the teacher um, because uh, this this piece that you refer to in the book is written by a college um, administrator mm-hmm. who has seen these mistakes that college parents make. There are still parents who think it's appropriate for them to be the one to contact a college professor. Um, and that just doesn't fly. So mm-hmm. the earlier you can get your child to develop the confidence of being the one to reach out and speak to a professor or speak to their high school teacher um, and email their high school teacher, the better it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't agree more. You know, well, there are two sort of elements to that. Well, one, I am officially obsessed with life skills. I actually, um, all through the summer, you know, was doing a sort of long form editorial and video, video series on my other blog, Boston Mamas, about life skills. And then on the Edit Your Life show Instagram, we've been doing like three really simple can teach your kids in five minutes or less life skills um, series. And people are really like, yeah, okay, I'm going to tackle this. And I love how Asha, related to our conversation here, Asha calls them move-out skills. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to refer to them. <laughs> yeah, because you want them you want them to be functioning. You know, I'm, I'm also speaking from the lens of somebody who has, you know, a brother who at 40 was still at home and didn't know how to run the laundry. So, like, it's it's not a good place to be. <laughs> no, it's really not. And, and the, you know, we may think we're helping our kids by, by doing these things for them. And obviously, if they're in a crunch time and, and, you know, you you can help them by getting a water bottle ready for them or making a smoothie for them as they're rushing out the door in the morning for school. That's one thing. But but have, being their concierge through life is not a good thing. Oh, yeah. What a great term. And I also just want to quickly mention, we'll link this up in the notes, too. Do you know, um, have you met personally um, Jessica Leahy? Yes, we love Jess. Okay, yeah. Love, she, love, love her. Love her. She's wonderful. I'm mean, Actually, I'm sure you probably mentioned her in the book, but... um. She's wonderful. She, and she's written for us in the book. She yes. has a fabulous piece of great parenting fail in the book. Oh, wonderful. I, you know, it probably just because there were so many things and I, I had my notes, but um, yeah, she, we did an interview with her uh, episode 110 and it was called Untangling Over Parenting. And it's such a great, she has so many wisdom bombs in that. So I'll link that up in the notes too. She is the expert on that. But um, you, I do, you have to read the piece in the book because she talks about how you know, she's the she has written about the gift of failure and yeah. she was the classic I'm doing this wrong on a college visit. Yeah. <laughs> so we all make mistakes, even the even the pros. Even the pros, yeah. All right. Well, um, there's another thing I want to tackle here. So you guys dig into high school stress. Again, this is another huge topic, but it is. 
I I would just, you know, love to touch on this a little bit. And, you know, my question is, how can parents get kids to understand that it's about efforts, not results, when right now we just live in this ridiculously results-focused culture where you have to crush all the things? Like, I've been struggling a lot with trying to convey to Laurel that, you know, it's a lot about process and you don't right. have to crush everything and making mistakes is good. So <laughs> it's it's so hard with, with kids yes. right now. It really is. Well, I think going back to a sports analogy, you can tell that my kids grew up playing a lot of sports so, <laughs> and, and Lisa's as well. So we, we tend to look to sports for direction sometimes. So experts will say that we can master and control the process, but not really the outcome. Mm. Um, and a good sports coach will tell their athletes to focus on practice and the mastery of skills and not really the outcome of the game, not the score. But one school, one skill that teens struggle with a lot is time management. And Mm -hmm. that is actually a skill that parents can help their teens with. And it could alleviate stress in your household. Um, Teens just don't have the the mental capability. The anatomy of the brain has not fully developed to let them develop these sort of organizational skills. So it's not that they don't want to necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's just that they don't have the frontal lobes that allow Mm -hmm. them to do it. But if you can at least pick off time management as something, sit with them, map out their week, slot in the time for like the big four chunks of things, school, you know, sports or extracurriculars, study, and sleep is huge. Sleep Always is huge. Yes. Great time for sleep. And there are, there are 168 hours a week. So you might even want to get a whiteboard and sort of map it out. Mm-hmm. And they may find these chunks of time where they really do have more time than they think. But the other thing that I would say about school and or kids and stress, teens and stress, is that it stresses us out as parents to watch them stress. And we tend to sort of co-stress with them or want to Mm co-stress with them, which isn't really super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you know Dr. Lisa Demora, who's, you know, wonderful. Like if you have a daughter, I would and I know obviously you have too, that the um, she is the best writer, I think, out there on girl development. She has mm. two New York mm-hmm. Times bestselling books, uh, Untangled and yes, uh, Under, right. Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. So Lisa um, has written in, the, in our book, but one thing that she has talked about is how parents and teens should begin to think about stress in a more beneficial light, you know, to sort of reframe the conversation. Because healthy stress, this is a quote from her, is inevitable when we operate at the edge of our abilities. Mm. So stretching beyond familiar limits doesn't always feel good, but growing and learning the keys to school and much of life really can't happen any other way. Mm-hmm. So I think if we begin to think, and she, she goes on, you know, she talks a lot about stress in her, in her writing, but if we begin to think about how um, stress is just part of the deal and part of growing Again, it's like an athlete. If you go out for a run, you're going to stress your body. A strong, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit longer run than you ever have before because you're training for a race or you have some personal goal that you, you know, want to achieve. Um, you can't get to that goal without without having some stress. So mm-hmm. reframing the way you think about it and helping your teen reframe about it, uh, reframe it too, I think is really healthy. Yeah, I think that's really wonderful. And actually, I just, you know, I was talking with some folks from the American Academy of Pediatrics several months back, and we were talking about that. You know, there's that dividing line between like crazy bad stress and then there's actually good stress. So I love that reframing. 
And, you know, actually, I'll link another back episode. I don't know if you know the wonderful Gabrielle Blair. She writes um, Design Mom and does a million other things. But um, she is an incredible uh, mom of five, I believe. And she we did an episode with her about reducing high school and college stress, too. So that's another another good listen. Well, listen, Marydell, we have more to discuss, which I'm very excited about. And we will do that after a quick break. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Mary Del Harrington of Grown and Flown. And um, are you ready to talk about making mistakes, Mary Del? <laughs> Absolutely. I make them on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. All the time. And embracing them is good. So Asha and I talk a lot about the power of making mistakes. Uh, We've actually also talked about this quite a lot with other podcast guests, Julie Minor and Jessica Leahy, who we talked about earlier. And, you know, for a variety of reasons, the section where you write about, quote, how a bad night with alcohol can happen with any kid that really jumped out at me. So that's just one type of mistake. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on how parents can shift their thinking to understand and embrace the fact that mistakes happen even to good kids. I'm using air quotes there. <laughs> yes. And and yes, uh, air quotes, because honestly, when our kids are in high school and about ready to go to college, they will make mistakes. That's mm-hmm. just the bottom line. It doesn't matter if they're straight A students and quote unquote great kids. Mm-hmm. There will be moments when you look at them and think, you know, what were you thinking? Or you will say that, you know, really, what were you thinking? So two things. First, it's really important to remember the poor judgment that you exercised when you were their age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all did it. You know, we survived. We may have been, you know, class leaders and straight A students. We may have been, you know, 
and as we look back at it, kind of, you know, cruising through in a really solid, positive manner, but we all made mistakes. And uh, it's just so easy to gloss over our own past. But let your teens know that you understand because you made some of those same mistakes or different mistakes mm-hmm. when you were their age. Um, they are much more likely to talk to us if they see us as imperfect. And face it, we are all imperfect in some way. A- absolutely imperfect. We continue to be. I feel like I'm an imperfect parent on a, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But that will create a path of conversation so that they're not, so they're less afraid to come to you when they have a problem, because that's really what we want them to do, right? When they have made a mistake, when they have, when there's some problem, we want them to say, to know that they can come to us and that we're not going to just cut their heads off. Yeah. And I feel like that, that, um, you know, showing and owning up and being open about imperfection and mistakes and everything else is it, there's so much there to like help teach kids about resilience and the right. fact that, you know, even if you're going in a space where it's like, yeah, you can get angry at someone and still love them. And like, you know, <laughs> I think there's, there's just so much there that kids need to see that it's okay. Absolutely. So the second thing that I think is really helpful for parents to know about is what I mentioned a little while ago is the teen brain. One of the experts who we interview in our book is Dr. Francis Jensen, who's the Mm -hmm. author of an excellent book called The Teenage Brain. And I highly recommend it to parents. Um, I think that if you begin to understand the true sort of anatomical limitations of uh, kids' brain analogy... They don't really have the impulse control because they don't have it yet. It just Mm. hasn't, it hasn't kicked in their frontal lobes and all the development that needs to take place to give them that moment to say, wait, should I not be doing this? Isn't there. So I think uh, lack of impulse control leads to some of these mistakes in many cases. But if parents have a deeper understanding of where their teen is in terms of that physical development, I think they can be much more compassionate and understanding when their teen does make a mistake, mm-hmm. it just gives you the um, the perspective that you don't have otherwise as a layman. You know, I mean, Mer- you probably studied anatomy in college, Christine, but mm-hmm. many of us did not. So um, having an appreciation for that. Plus, there has been so much development in brain science in the in the last decade that it, it's really um, it's an exciting field of study. And Dr. Jensen is at the top of top of that research. So. It's a great book, and um, the the Q and A that she did with us on both binge drinking and teen and teen brain is is really um, is really enlightening. That's amazing. I feel like um, I've already got in my head like I, I want to put together like I feel like we're developing a real epic uh, teen parenting reading list here <laughs> through this yes. interview. Well, <laughs> we uh, you know we've been so lucky through the years of doing Grown and Flown to interview so many great writers, so many great authors, and psychologists and and people who just add so much to the conversation that I know as a parent, you can feel like you don't have time to mm-hmm. read all these things. But if you subscribe to newsletters or you listen to podcasts while you're in, you know, running from point A to point B, you can really pick up some great actionable items. So mm-hmm. we've tried to, we've tried to capture, you know, some of those things in our book. Oh, but, there are um, tons. Yeah. There are a lot of, there are a lot of resources out there that, that are not super time consuming, but I, I love that one book in particular. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I want to pivot a little bit, uh, which is a good term for um, what we're going to talk about next. So one of the things that I 
just loved in your book was you have a section on the joy of an average kid. And, um, you know, because the reality is not everyone's going to follow the same path. So I just want to read this quote. Uh, It says, just because a student earns average grades in high school doesn't mean they won't succeed in college and more important in life. Um, And then, you know, the writer goes on to talk about how the next step is not always college. So um, which I just can't love this more, but um, (laughs) could you share some advice for parents who might be struggling, you know, if their kid is the one who is not following the same path as everyone else? Because even if you know that on paper or you sort of feel like, yes, I I embrace that, it can be hard, I think, emotionally, you know, to be that person where you feel like, oh, everybody else is doing something else. Right, right. No, it's true. It's, it's, It's hard and you feel very alone, I think, and very sort of vulnerable as a parent. Um, this piece is great. I mean, Sharon Greenthal was completely honest and open about her son's struggles. He uh, has ADHD and was just frankly an unmotivated high school student, mm-hmm. which drove Sharon and her husband crazy. You know, they they just couldn't understand it. They they were, felt frustrated. I'm sure they frustrated him. But they've suddenly or over time, I'm sure not suddenly, decided to look beyond just academics and discover where he was motivated. And that was in um, sports. He was a football player in high school and they, that was what turned him on. And Mm. that's where he devoted a lot of his time and energy. And they encouraged him to, to, to focus on that because even though it took time away from homework and practice, he knew that football was where he excelled and that where he was highly motivated. So he ended up, um, finding a college, uh, working on, you know, doing well academically because he found a college that was a good fit for him. And fast forward to now to where he's teaching high school and coaching football himself. And oh, that's fabulous. Undoubtedly yeah. finding ways to inspire similar students. So um, his relation, you know, his high school career was 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 tough. I mean, Sharon's very it was an English major and very academic. And it was hard for her to uh, see that his path was not the one that she had found success on herself. Mm-hmm. But um, so that piece is a wonderful piece. But but the other thing that I think is um, is really interesting is that the book has sections. Our book does have sections on college admission and mm-hmm. college life. But it doesn't mean that all kids are going to a four-year college or that they're going right away. You know, certainly gap years have become increasingly popular. And community college is also something that I think people are speaking about in a much more um, open uh, way mm-hmm. than perhaps they had been. We have a great piece by Melissa Fenton, who works at a community college. She's a wonderful writer about all of the benefits that students that she sees students enjoy when they um, look to a community college and when they look to a trade. And I think those things uh, are, are career choices Post high school career, uh, post high school choices that we see a larger conversation about not only in the book but also in our community. We have a amazing Facebook group that we started about three years ago called Grown and Flown Parents Facebook Group. It's a closed Facebook group because we vet everybody who wants to come in to make sure that they are a parent of a high school or a college student. Mm-hmm. And I highly encourage anyone who's interested to check it out. The thing that's interesting about this group is 90% of the members who are, who are 90% of the people who are members are active in the way Facebook describes it. Mm -hmm. We have 300 posts a day that Lisa and I are not the ones putting up. It's a very self-starting kind of group. And they're talking about parenting topics, every parenting topic under the sun. 
But one of the big parenting topics is my child is not, college is not a good fit for him. My mm-hmm. child wants to uh, do something they're not really sure. Would community college be a good step or joining a trade or a, or, a, or a gap year or going into the military? I think the important thing for parents to remember is that success does not just look like one thing. And if we can broaden what our definition of success is for our teens, it's going to help us support them if their choice is not necessarily going to a four-year college right after high school. Um, there are so many other opportunities for students, whether they're it's a gap year, a two-year community college, a trade, the military. And one thing that I've been struck at in, being, in, in watching this Facebook group grow is the number of parents who point to the examples of their kids who have found success in doing something after high school other than a four-year college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think this also connects to two things that you had talked about earlier, one being the fact that parenting is a long game, <laughs> yes. you know, so you just got to remember there's going to be so many twists and turns along the way that, you know, it, one size does not fit all. And then the second, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, you had talked, you've talked a couple times about the developing brain and, you know, what is happening for high schoolers. And I will say, you know, people are always surprised to learn, you know, because now I have a PhD and I've pivoted careers and all this stuff, but I was a terrible middle school and high school student. Like I actually saw transcripts for some reason why they are not savable, but my mom (laughs) saved some of my high school transcripts and recently showed them to me. And I was like, wow, this is actually worse than I thought. You know, there were (laughs) C's, there were D's. Like I, I just, I just couldn't get it back then, but you know, I found my way in college, um, you know, when I had the space to do that. So I just, um, I love that you cover this and that, um, you know, you're helping parents find their voice with that through the Facebook group. It really is an unreal group. (laughs) It's, it's kind of addictive. So I will, I will put that warning out there that, um, if you, if you join us and we'd love for people to join us, be prepared to spend some time because you, (laughs) you might find that you cannot believe that you will, the conversations and you can't see, you can't believe how much you see yourself in those conversations. Um, I think this is an, we found that this, this is a very underserved community of parents and we're very mom centric. We don't want to exclude our dads at all, but we are about 95% women in the, in the group. And there are very few places where these conversations can take place. It's Mm -hmm. quite, it's quite different as a parent of a teen. You're you're not really, you're not in the pediatrician's office with your kid. Mm-hmm. You're not driving them to birthday parties and hanging out and chit-chatting with the other parents. It's very different to have the conversation about your fourth grader who wants to drop violin. You can talk, have that conversation with anybody. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about your 11th grader who's just had a DUI, not so easy to have that yeah. conversation <laughs> and find and find community and support and information. Yeah, it's remarkable. Um, well, okay, so... Um, there is one bucket, another huge, huge bucket I want to talk to you about before we close out today, and it's relationships. And, you know, as you know, I do a lot of work in the sex ed space for a client, right. but, you know, um, relationships are obviously a huge part of the teen experience, both just friends, but also romantic. And I just love that in your book, there are dedicated chapters about love and sex and health, because right. obviously these are so important, um, including talking about consent. So I guess I'm curious if you have any top line advice for parents who, you know, may be struggling around their teen's relationship, romantic one, 
For example, if they don't like the person or if they do, but they feel like things are moving too fast because holy crap, I feel like things are moving really fast these days. <laughs> I know. I know. I think back to your article that you wrote for us, Christine, and mm-hmm. it, it is, it, uh, it can be, it can be uh, concerning to parents. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say the first thing to remember is that sometimes a less than ideal relationship can be hugely helpful to your teen or your college student. Hmm. We want our kids to find, uh, you know, a life partner, a spouse that brings out the best of them. That's a healthy relationship that's loving and warm. And sometimes when you have a bad boyfriend or girlfriend in high school, it can teach you that, you know, maybe it's it's not so helpful to have somebody who's a little self-centered or quick to anger or Mm -hmm. has these character flaws that you realize this is not for me. I need to I need to avoid this in the future when the relationship is more serious. Mm-hmm. So as long as the relationship that your kid has is not mentally, sexually, or socially abusive, parents need to try and take a step back from criticizing their teen's choice of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, in the book, we have research from Harvard Graduate School's Making Caring Common Report, Love which them. I'm sure Christine is very yes. familiar with that. With, with them and that, that report, that they bring up four points that are really good for parents to think about in talking to their teens or their college students. So let me just quickly summarize some of their points. Mm-hmm. They say, talk about reciprocal relationships built on trust and respect. Talk about the positive things that are in relationships. So trust and respect is huge. Talk about what constitutes a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Talk about the really real danger of sexual assault and how, how you're your child can protect themselves, but then speak up when you observe your teen in a destructive or degrading relationship, because our silence may be misconstrued as approval or permission. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's a fine line to walk between a relationship where you just don't really like the kid very much for some reason, you know, it kind of like bothers you or something, but that's really different than a destructive or, or degrading relationship. Yeah. The last thing is bring a trusted result, a trusted adult into the conversation. So if you have a daughter, you may be wondering when is the right time to bring her to a gynecologist? We see that question in the group on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like with everything around parenting, obviously no one size fits all. And your your 14-year-old may be acting some days like a 12-year-old or they may act more like an 18-year-old. So mm-hmm. you you have a sense of where your where your daughter is on that on their spectrum. But if you think that she is sexually active or is on the cusp of it, or if the, she's asking about a gynecologist, schedule an appointment right away mm-hmm. because a trusted physician can help your daughter learn how she can maintain her own sexual health. And you need to reassure your daughter that um, those conversations are private between her and her health provider. And the, the gynecologist will be one who can impart this, this information about uh, sexually transmitted diseases and about consent and about maintaining uh, and about birth control in a way that your daughter may be more receptive to listening to than if you're the one delivering that information. Or if you're, if you're, you will be delivering that information, no doubt to your child. But if a gynecologist is reinforcing and, and giving her the expert information, that's so powerful. I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm kind of obsessed personally with trusted adults. Um, my, I've worked with my eight and 14 year old to identify them <laughs> because I just That's so good. think they're so crucial. Um, and, and I love, um, you know, weaving 
really reinforcing the idea that a gynecologist, you know, for a daughter, you know, is is such a powerful thing. Because, you know, also as women, I think we can get bound up by whatever, thinking about a daughter in a, a sexual way or that they might have that interest. And so that sort of professional, um, you know, person would be such a powerful player in, in, you know, a girl's, a girl's life. So I think that's wonderful. Right. I mean, guys don't really have the same kind of, um, specialist, but taking, taking your son to this pediatrician with mm-hmm. the, with the, uh, you know, agenda item as sexual health is, is equally important. And I think that's one we tend not to focus on as much because there is no comparable gynecologist for a guy. Right. Um, so it's a little less obvious how to do that. You might have to have a behind the scenes conversation about wanting that to be part of the uh, healthy care, con- you know, conversation with your son. If you well, if your doctor doesn't think of it first. Yeah. And how wonderful would that, you know, to in concert with, uh, you know, a son's pediatrician to like ha- have those conversations about consent and those important things that they should know. I mean, right. I think that's why we're in the a bit of a, the mess that we are is that, you know, the lack of conversation around these topics. All right. Well, Mary Dell, I have, um, I really feel like there are so many other things we could talk about, but we need to close this episode out. And at the end of each show, Asha and I close with what we call your next edit, which is a simple, tangible action that people can take, you know, perhaps even today. So I would love to know what your next edit is in the context of our conversation today. I would say, take a walk with your child, Mm. get out and get out in nature, take them out, you know, say, let's go walk the dogs. I mean, we, we have these two big rowdy Labradors who have um, been, we've actually had four in the, in the course of our whole family life. So they've been at the heart of our family, I must say, and, and taking, you know, asking your teens to help you, you know, walk the dog, uh, or if you don't have a dog, just say, let's go take a walk. Getting out in the nature is really just so beneficial in every way. And I would say, take a walk with your teen. That's that's my tip. I think that is wonderful. Those opportunities for um, side-by-side <laughs> conversation right. Are, right. are really so powerful. I appreciate you taking the time um, to have this conversation because I feel like it will be helpful to so many parents. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I loved it. And I love what you guys are doing. Your podcasts are great and all the work that you're doing. Um, you know, and we just are, we love to send people your way too. So thank you, Christine. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Friends, what an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful for the work Mary Dell Harrington and the Grown and Flown team do to help parents and caregivers navigate an often tumultuous time. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life or review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. 
and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.